0: Is upbeat with beatboxer, musician, speaker, and show host, Parker K. Hey
1: guys, welcome to Upbeats, and thank you very much for being here and for listening in today. If you would, please follow the podcast wherever you're listening to it right now. That is always super appreciated, so thank you for that. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate you guys kicking off your week with Upbeats, and I appreciate you guys listening in week to week, You know, making Upbeat just a part of your routine. That means a lot to me. Uh, but I also understand if you've missed episodes or if you're not completely caught up. That is totally okay, and that's why I make these six-month review episodes. And I've said it in the other ones, and I'll say it in this one. I don't expect every single person to catch every single episode. That's just an impossible ask. Uh, you know, life happens. So I totally get it. But that's why I love making episodes like this one. I've interviewed some really just incredible people. And there have been a lot of really sincere and amazing moments and conversations and uh, helpful and valuable conversations. And so uh, it's impossible to feature every single awesome moment in one episode, but I do my best to share clips with you here of these amazing guests to hopefully give you a good feel of who they are and what they do and what we talked about on the show. And that way, if you're interested, you can go back and listen to their full episodes. Uh, that's really the purpose of these six month reviews is to one, catch you up if you're not caught up. Two help you customize your listening experience a little bit better by finding the episodes that you'd actually like the most. So if you hear someone in this episode that you really like, check the description or go to this go to this episode on the website parkercane.co and I'll have links to all the episodes, the titles, the guest names, the topics, all that stuff so you can go back and find the ones that you're really interested in. And three, Uh, If you've been listening, then these are still just some really good takeaways and reminders to kind of refresh us on what all we've learned in the last six months. Uh, But with that said, again, you guys, thank you very much for being here, listening to Upbeats. Let's get into it.
2: For me, I didn't have any other choice. You know, it's like, all right, nobody else is going to give me an opportunity. I'm a convicted felon. Nobody wants to hire me because of decisions I made years ago. All right. So I got to bet on myself. And so, in a sense, it was easier for me to do it than most people because that was the only thing I had that it could do. Um, but then there's been times, though, where where I had to like, you know, really make a decision and bet on myself. And one of those examples, this is an extreme example, but uh, this is before I was in the worst position financially that I've ever been in my life, most financial stress I've ever been in my life. Um, it was right before I broke through. And this is, this is in 2018 at the very end of 2018 in October. Um, I wanted to get in this mastermind because, you know, there's this guy that I followed that I interviewed on my podcast and he was like the real deal. And I had made a bunch of prior investments and mentors before this that flopped. And so like, I knew what I was looking for now at this point through losing out, you know? And, uh, I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta, you know, learn from this guy. Cause I gotta figure out how to make this money online. And so long story short, you got to put out this offer for his mastermind to join is at $2,000 a month. I'm like, okay, uh, I don't have $2,000 a month. Um, We're currently backed up on our bills. Our water was shut off. Credit cards are maxed out. Got four kids to feed. I mean, like it was, it was pretty rough and I'm making $200 to $800 a month. And then my wife is working at the bank and she was the one that was bringing home the most money, but we, we didn't have enough to even cover our bills. And uh, I went and got a title loan on my Chrysler Aspen for 4,000. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but interest rates on title loans are freaking sky high. They're ridiculous. And so uh, I did that just to bet on myself to go into this mastermind. And that's it to learn these skills. I wasn't guaranteed nothing just to learn how to select my audience, craft an irresistible offer and write copy that converts that audience to that offer. And uh, everybody said, I was crazy, stupid. Like, how could you do that? You got kids like, that's just dumb. Yada, yada, this, that, and third, but 10 months after making that decision, I had a six figure business because I bet on myself because I burned the boats. There was no other choice. Like, Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to make it happen. Or, you know, and that, and that type of mentality, uh, I feel like is what really gets the, gets things actually done because you're not, you're not half, half step in any of it. And you're not playing around. You're not interested. Like, no, this is like almost, almost like a life or death situation. You know, it's like, it's serious. You gotta, you gotta do stuff. And so uh, it, it's worked out for me, but at the same time, I, I know there's gonna be a lot of people that hear them be like, oh no, that's stupid, I'd never do that. But it, you should, if that's your mindset, then don't do that. But if you're gonna bet on yourself and you believe in you and you're gonna do whatever it takes to make your dreams possible, that type of level of commitment will get you there.
3: Like I said, very rare for me to start in pro. And then what kind of happened was while I was at those games, I end up meeting more photographers along in different sports, I shoot for like, the Twins and the Wild and all those guys. And I'm still very close to them today. And I look up to them. Being a freelancer, you know, you're able to go and do all that. But I had worked full time in pro sports as well. So bridging the gap was mainly just like internships, networking, connections, shooting, anything and everything you possibly can, you know, you are gonna have to do some free work. And I'm thankful a lot of it was paid, but a lot of it is you have to do some free work to get that paid work and then just making those connections and knowing who's around you, connecting on LinkedIn, asking those questions, seeing if you can help. What I tell a lot of younger people, especially kids who are in college, is try and go shoot for your school newspaper or your local newspaper. Um, I kind of stated it earlier that I'm so thankful, but um, all the photographers in Minnesota who had trained me been there for me and then a few in North Carolina who have also you know when I first showed up looked out for me invited me to some things taught me some things and still I can reach out to today and ask them questions and um, the fact that some of them have reached out and told me how much I've grown has been super amazing I can't pinpoint one exact person because it's a lot of clusters but I will say this um, it's kind of interesting is that it's all men (laughs) uh normally people are just gonna say that you know i mean in my field i am one of the few women and there's starting to be more and more women but growing up i didn't really have a women figure um within that era or era within that field
0: yeah
3: yeah industry that i really looked up to and the women that i had met at the time they weren't that nice so (laughs) it just kind of was like oh that sucks so um, it was all men and it was the nice men that are, I still talk to today and still very close with. So it's basically, you know, all those pro sports guys in Minnesota and then other people who had helped me along the way. And then the same thing for there's a few guys in North Carolina that have been super sweet and super nice to me. But yeah, no women, sadly, but that's okay. I hope to be the woman for somebody. So.
1: I, I was just going to say, yeah, you know, that's where my goal. There, I was just going to say where there are no one, where there's no one to look up to or very few to look up to. Um, oftentimes that means that you're the, the pathfinder and you're the the person yeah. that people are going to look up to. And it's like, you've got like almost 12,000 followers or something on TikTok, and you're out here on these podcasts and you're putting out your content, you're doing your stuff. And I think with every piece of content, there's always going to be some girl on her phone scrolling that gets inspired by that, you know, and those are things that you can't see measured in your analytics. (laughs) Those are things that you just can't, but you're, you're inspiring other, you know, maybe females to get into sports and to get into photography in sports or in maybe in industries that just are not necessarily always girls.
3: Yeah. Thank you. I can't thank you enough. I will say this is Um, one of the most inspiring things that happened to me, ironically, once again, during the pandemic was two girls did homework assignments on me. And one was like an end of year capstone and she sent it to me. And I was like completely shocked. I was crying because I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Somebody did their homework on me. (laughs) Like that was so cool. And it was two girls and two different, like one, they both found me via TikTok and one was local and NC state and the other one was in like Northeast. I was just like, what? <laughs> so yeah, awesome. thank you. I just hope, but that, that you're correct. That None of that showed up in my analytics. I asked them how they found me. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It was, it's been such a dream I hope to continue.
4: I'm a traditionally trained economist. So I have a degree in economics. I worked for an economics research lab. And that was kind of my, you know the start of my professional career. And, um, along the way, I mean, the whole reason why I went to college was actually because I'm a first generation college student. And I come from a family of a history of poor financial decisions. And, uh, you know, in, in the same way that some families pass on wealth from one generation to the next, my family is part of the many families who passes on poverty from one fam- from one generation to the next in terms of not just the lack of money and resources, but also just the mindset really just the unhealthy mindsets attached to money and work that keep people trapped there. And, um, so I was meant to be the golden boy to kind of break out of that pattern by going to college. And I did, I went to college, got a couple of pieces of paper that say I know some things and spoiler alert, it didn't really dramatically change my life. Like in other words, it didn't open a bunch of doors. It didn't do all the things that it was promised to do. And so at first I was really disappointed by that. Um, And, uh, but then I started looking at like, okay, well, what does that, right? So if it's not a college degree, like maybe once upon a time, the answer was get a college degree and that'll get you a reliable job, but that's no longer the case. So if that's not the case, then what is, what is true of how do you break out of that cycle? If you're stuck in that cycle, because there are people all over the world, not just in America, but definitely in other, other countries all over the planet, the people who are stuck in this cycle of poverty. And so, so uh, I, that's when I really developed a a love for entrepreneurship because I started exploring the different options. I realized that, you know, entrepreneurship, even in the the way that economists look at entrepreneurs, by the way, uh, economists don't really understand entrepreneurs. Like they just like, uh, they track new businesses, like, and things like that, like and new startups, but there's not really like a framework for like where those come from. They just like come from market demand, you know, and things like that. Uh, but the reality is that that's not, I mean, the full story But entrepreneurship is a great equalizer. Your business doesn't care your race, your ethnicity, your age, your gender, uh, whether you have $5 or $5,000 in the bank. Your business doesn't care. Your customers don't even really care. All they really care about is can you create a real solution to a real problem for real people? And that's, I, I fell in love with that. And so I've made it my personal mission to eradicate generational poverty by helping entrepreneurs create thriving businesses. By the way, thriving businesses, that means not just businesses that are profitable, although yes, that's part of it, but also businesses that more importantly, fuel your life. It's not enough to work 60, 80 hour weeks and to raise a bunch of money to build some billion dollar startup and lose your, your key relationships and your values along the way. Well, I mean, I think the first thing I would say is that it's easier to start a business today than it ever has been. I mean, you, it requires, you know, maybe $10 for a domain name. I mean, it's like, you know, it's so cheap and easy to start a business today compared to even 10 or 20 years ago. Um, and yet up until 20 in 2019, the U S was at an, um, a 40 year low in terms of entrepreneur, new entrepreneurs, which is kind of weird because actually entrepreneurship is weirdly glorified in our culture right now. Like celebrities like Elon Musk are in the same level as Oprah, you know, like, you know, entrepreneurs are like the celebrities of today. And yet, like everyday entrepreneurship, not the billion dollar Silicon Valley companies, but everyday entrepreneurs, the small business owners, that was at an, an all, you know, a 40-year low in 2019. Now, thankfully, right now in 2021, we've we reversed that. And so we just had two consecutive quarters of breaking records in terms of new businesses started in the US. And that's a wonderful thing. Let's continue that. Um, so, I mean, I think the first thing I would say is that you it's, it's counterintuitive when you get into business because of course you want to make money for what you're doing. You should, you, there's nothing wrong with that. You should have no shame in wanting to get paid for the work you do. And yet the path to success in entrepreneurship, the path to profits is through serving people. And so in my book, I call this the entrepreneur's paradox that entrepreneurship is entrepreneurs get paid, but they don't work for money. Like you have to get into entrepreneurship. You have to have at the core of your business, a purpose. Now, i I actually walk through, you know, I actually teach a framework for how to create a purpose statement in your business. But the short, you know, the simplest version of that is to say, I help insert real people here, you know, solve real problem with real solution. And it's it can seem like an oversimplification. And also you're like, why are you saying the word real over and over again? Well, it's actually, that's intentional. It's a psychological trigger because... It's so often when people are looking at creating a unique value proposition statement or unique selling proposition statement or just like a mission statement for their company, any of those things, it's easy to get caught in sort of like platitudes and fake ideas where um, you forget that there are real human beings with dreams, aspirations, hopes, fears, kids, sleepless nights, jobs on the other side of your business. A lot of businesses, when they first get, uh, get started, they lose, lose this very quickly. They don't intentionally throw out the fact that they're serving humans. They just start counting everything in terms of how many followers do I have, how many likes do I have, how many shares, how many customers, how many sales, which aren't necessarily bad things to measure, but it, pretty quickly people forget that those are real-life human beings on the other side. And so they begin so focused on the products that they're like, they're, they become all about selling products instead of solving problems. The products and services you have in your business, that's your solution to somebody's problem, but you need to make sure that you understand really well what problems people have before you try to match that to the solution. You probably heard the phrase, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. I mean, it's kind of like that when you have as a business owner, if all you have are a core set of products, you're going, okay, now who can I sell these to? Then you're you're kind of trying to force it versus if you start first with, okay, who are the real people that I'm going to serve? And you get to understand them enough that you can unlock your human superpower of empathy and then understand, OK, well, what are the real problems they have in their life? What are the problems what, when they wake up at 2 a.m. sweating, staring at the ceiling? What are they worried about? How can you help them remove that problem their, from their life? Uh, those kind of things. Then, then your solution becomes obvious of what your products or services should be.
5: Just trying to figure out who am I? What does it all mean? How do I make money? How do I feed my kid? How, do, how am I going to be a good mom? How do I find love? And I felt so overwhelmed by the complexity of the these issues. They were all like major issues that you, you really have to come up with some sort of a structure or a system or self-awareness where you figure out, What are you going to allow to drive you crazy and where do you draw the line and where do you make a decision and where do you find the courage to make that decision and how do you own that, even if it's the wrong decision? You know, and looking back, the biggest nagger in my life ended up being the biggest blessing in disguise, right? And that's, I think, what you were talking about, you know, in the dark room, you need to be the fire, is... When we are so caught up in our own story, Parker, we don't even realize that the opportunity shows up and we choose not to take the opportunity because it looks like a challenge. And we go, well, anything that would help me right now would have to be easy. But that's not how spirit, God, the universe even works. It works in a completely different way. It says, oh, you want that? Great. Here's how you have to do it. But you're going to have to do it naked over 25 uh, kilometers in 110 degrees and you've got no water. But once you get there, you're good. And you're like, who, who, who does something so outrageous like that? We are so caught up in believing that the path to get to our goal has to be like a treasure map, right? Where it's like perfectly outlined. You have no idea what the path is because the path is God's work, spirit's works, work, Universe work. Because you are not in charge of how things interact and connect on the magic on how this all works together. You have control over two things, where you are and how you control where you are and see where you are at, either as opportunity or obstacle, and the outcome, where you want to be. With those two markers, it's like in a subway in New York, right? You go in the subway, you find the red dot, we are here. You know, you want to go to the Empire State Building. But there's like, what, six different ways to go there. And if you wanted, you could walk. So you need to leave that up to some other power. But you have to trust that once that is set, that the power of what regulates everything is working for you. So now I'm at the point where I can look back at the path and I can dissect or share what all the markers were and why that mattered and why they were all really good, very bad mistakes. What drives me is not money. And I caution, I caution you all, please do not make money your God because that is a horrible place to be because you may just get that. Make sure that the bigger idea is around community and impact, and that your belief system says that the money follows the impact. But if the passion for the impact or the vision is not there, you might be like some of these people that are unhappy, depressed, commit suicide, question at the very top of their game on whether it's worth it because all they have is money. That I think is what, what is different about what I bring to what I teach, Parker, is that I make sure people people's passion is ignited and intricately connected to what it is that they're doing because it's the only way to sustain.
6: So with that, Parker, if you want to throw an example at me, then I could throw a technique at you.
1: Okay. Um, You know, staying somewhat relevant to the podcast and uh, I'm sure many of the listeners who are listening in right now, I'm one of those people who feels extremely confident like internally, like I know that I'm good at editing podcasts or something. And I just to give you an example, I, I have a podcast editing service where I edit podcasts for clients and I'm always looking for more clients. But For me, I know I'm good at doing it and I know I can provide them a solid product and be competitive with anyone else out there editing podcasts and videos. But for some reason, I have like the hardest time in the world selling me, selling my services and having that conversation with someone who's going to be paying me like, oh my gosh, what do I tell them? So, I always get super nervous before going into any kind of calls that's like trying to close a new client.
6: hmm Okay, so I was just writing down a few notes of what you said there. Um, So first of all, that's awesome that you're good at editing podcasts. Maybe I should ask you to help edit mine, (laughs) because that's (laughs) actually like a really awesome skill. Um, And the first technique that pops into my mind for, for you, Parker, might actually be a technique called thought replacements, okay? Because you said that one of the thoughts that goes through your mind is, oh my God, what do I tell them? Right. Mm -hmm. And obviously, that would be a very alarming thought to have going through your mind before a client meeting, because what that also suggests is, you know, that that you actually don't have a plan or you you don't actually have any kind of a script or any major points that you know that you actually do want to make to the people. And Parker, I'm guessing that that you actually do have a script and a plan and some, you know, information that you know you want to convey. And so, oh my God, what do I tell them is what I would potentially label as a maladaptive thought, meaning it's it's your confidence and and doesn't even accurately apply to the situation because oh my God, what do I tell them again implies that you actually don't have any prepared materials to discuss. And I'm assuming that that's actually not true. Uh, (laughs) So Parker's nodding his head yes for anyone who's not um, (laughs) seeing it. Parker's agreeing that indeed he does have (laughs) preparations for when he goes into client meetings. And so, oh my God, what do I tell them is actually not an accurate thought. It's one that's only going to make you um, needlessly nervous. So what you might want to replace that thought with is something like, um, I am well prepared for this meeting. I'll convey my services. And if it's a good fit, they'll book. And I would repeat that over and over. I'm well prepared for this meeting. I'll convey my services. And if it's a good fit, they'll book. And if you were a client of mine, Parker, I would actually I want to say force, but obviously like it's everybody's choice if they want to take my homework or not, but I might quote, force you to actually memorize that to the point where you could even tell me how many words are in that statement that I just said for you, those three sentences. I would want you to know that statement so well that I could wake you up at three in the morning and you could tell it to me like the alphabet. So in a situation like that, I would start with certainly some thought replacements to make sure that you're actually Telling yourself the truth, which is a more empowering truth for you before you do go into those meetings. I might also, you know, guide you to um, do learn, learn some good deep breathing skills because we all know, we've probably all heard of, you know, fight, flight or freeze that when we go into kind of anxiety provoking situations for some people, their body goes into that mindset that there's like a from the caveman days that there's a giant lion about to attack us and we start getting small and breathing in a shallow manner, which just causes our brain to slow down. So I would want you to do some thought replacements placements, and also some really good deep breathing to make sure that you were not in panic mode mentally or physically before you went into that meeting.
1: Wow. <laughs> I feel like pretty overwhelmed just with the advice. Like I'm very grateful for it. So thank you for helping me out with that because I'm definitely going to do that. And hopefully, you know, in that example, we were able to help others too.
6: Yeah. So I would just like to put, unpack that example a little bit, as you said, so that other people, you know, who are thinking about thought replacements for themselves. um, When I first learned about thought replacements in graduate school, because just to be clear, I didn't invent thought replacements. You know, those are a technique in my book. Some of the techniques I invented and some of them I did not. Um, But when I first learned about thought replacements in graduate school, which is again, where you override a maladaptive thought such as, oh my God, what do I tell them? And you replace it with Yes. Um, an accurate thought, you know, that's actually going to be more productive. When I first learned about thought replacements, I got them confused with affirmations because coming from being a yoga teacher, I was like, oh yeah, I've heard of that before. And it might be like where, you know, you're saying to yourself, I'm the best salesman ever and I close meetings effortlessly or whatever, right? But the difference is, is that affirmations are often aspirational, There are things that are not necessarily true, whereas thought replacements are always 100% true and accurate. And this is important because some studies have shown that if you use an aspirational type of affirmation, the part of you that knows that it's really not true actually just gets even more insecure because it realizes that you're just pumping yourself full of empty words, happy talk, and you're actually failing to address the real problem. So I just want to make a distinction between affirmations, which do have their time and place, and I do love them, but we have to make sure that we understand that they're different from thought replacements. And in a situation like what you described, Parker, thought replacements would be helpful, but affirmations would probably not. I tell people,
0: you know, through this journey, a lot of entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs contact me and, and say what's the first step and and I always tell them, listen, if you're not going to um go through with your idea or, you know, put some action into your idea, you're gonna sit on the couch and one day see your idea on TV and somebody else is going to do it. Because, you know, everyone um will think of these ideas. It's not just you. It's the first one to do it. It's the first one to put to you know put some action to it, first one to market. And I tell them, just jump, you know, you don't, you can't really plan the path. You can as much as you can, but the path will will take you down um, this road that you've never dreamed of. And, and it's been good for me. You know, I've, I've learned so much from this path. I, I would never trade this experience, even though I've gone knocked down, even though, you know, I've put tons of my own money into it. Um, things have been on the line all the time. I would never trade this experience. I would never go back to a nine to five. I always bank on myself and count on myself to, you know, make my own money to, um, you know, be an entrepreneur. So the first, you know, the first um, advice I give to people is listen, just jump. You just need to go, you know, plan it out, go as, you know, plan out as much as you can and then jump. I've had some experiences where, You know, in the beginning, I was looking for people to partner with me. I I don't know why I I look for these people, Um, because all along, I could have done it. I could do it myself. I, in the beginning, the confidence wasn't there, right? The confidence of, you know, why am I in toilet seat? like, I have never done this in my life. I need to find some people in, in... and Google and YouTube have been the biggest help ever. You know, I, I have read so many um, articles and books on, on toilet seats, the restroom industry. You know, that's all the help I've needed. I've, I've counted on myself to do everything. And, and like you said, I'm a one man team. I, I have a, an assistant, but I do everything. The CEO of the company is on the floor. Installing toilet seats in a public restroom at the airport—the most disgusting thing ever. But I wouldn't ever make anyone else do that until I I knew myself what it felt like. You know what it what it takes to do that. You know I wouldn't send anyone to do that job unless I had experienced it myself. Or so I I banked on my myself made made sure that I I do everything first and then I build my company around it. Um, Yeah. So it, it's been a good confidence builder. You know, it's taken me uh, five years in the making. I, I filed for a patent in 2018 and, and I was issued the patent. And that's kind of when I went, you know, full go. And even that, getting a patent and, and, um, and getting an attorney and reading and, and trying to do this all by myself. It's been, it's been a lesson. Like Robbie, you know, you can do this by yourself. You don't need to share this company with anyone. You, you, Just do it yourself. Go find out how to do this thing.
1: That's today's episode, but thank you guys again for listening. Check the description or go to this episode on my website, parkercane.co, parkercane.co for all the featured episode details so that you can find the ones you're most interested in. If you enjoyed this episode or got value from it, please share it with a friend and leave an upbeat review that is always super appreciated. (laughs) You guys are the best. I'll see you next week.
0: This is Upbeat with beatboxer, musician, speaker, and show host, Parker K. Subscribe at parkerk.zo.